This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they can become something more like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Christ Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Oh, man. Jesse, we got a lot going on. We just <laughs> had a big, we just had some big stats reveals or a big card reveal. I guess we're not, not going to discuss it too much on this show in particular. We'll wait till the tactics cards are out, but we have finally gotten a look at the cards. Finally got a look at Claw's card, and he looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he does. It was really interesting to see what route they go with him, and we'll cover that very soon on news. Yeah, we'll talk about that more, but Jesse, we've got, I think we were just talking off mic, we've got seven weeks before Lone Star Open. Yeah, seven weeks is not very much time for us to practice. And I think we've hinted at Lone Star Open, but I guess now this is our official Yeah, I just made the announcement. Yeah, Chris just made the announcement (laughs) that we are going to Lone Star Open at the end of July. So if you're there, please find us, hit us up. More importantly, we're going to kind of document our journey, mainly on the After Dark, but we're going to document our journey to Lone Star Open. And of course, we're going to do a full tournament report after Lone Star Open. Also talk about all the cool hangs hopefully we get to have with the community that's there. So I'm really looking forward to it. And if you guys are going to Lone Star Open, let us know and let's all meet up and get a Fury's Finest hangout going. Yes, a Fury's Finest beer or two would be fantastic. Absolutely. Today, we are picking up at the end of our Shield series. And we we did something that we do a lot on the show, if you picked up on it over the years. But we like to put a, a bookend on a affiliation and start a new affiliation. And the best way to do that with Shield because last episode technically was our last pure shield episode. We're kind of dabbling in web warriors today, but while also remaining in shield, we are doing agent venom flash Thompson today. And you know, Flash is in several places in the game, but we thought it'd be a really fun time to talk a little bit more about shield, but start web warriors again. 
Yeah, and I think this is kind of perfect timing as well with all the new additions the Guardians have gotten. Of course. This gives us a little bit of an excuse to talk about them a little bit during the tactics section of the show. So I think that should be that should be good. Flash is like you said in a lot of places and uh, he's a really good piece when used properly. So I I think I think today is well timed. But before we get into that Jesse, we've got a little business we got to take care of. <laughs> Fury's Finest is supported by Mr. Laser. Go to mr-laser.square.site for all of your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show and would like to join our private Discord community, consider checking out our Patreon tiers. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. And of course, Chris, we have a patron of the week to thank. That is Joshua today. Thank you, Joshua. Thanks, Joshua. And as always, Jesse, we have to thank the Avenger level producers. These are the guys that really make this show happen. Rusty, Dylan, Rich, Puyon, and Sean J. Thank you guys as always. Thank you, Avengers team. All right, Chris, let's get right into a very exciting character today Agent Venom. Oh, man. Jesse, this guy presents kind of a unique challenge, right? Yeah. We've talked about it a little bit with the original Human Torch, Mm -hmm. but this is an even bigger one because Flash Thompson is a seminal part of the Peter Parker Spider-Man story. He is there in the beginning. He is there. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to tell you when Flash's first appearance is right now, Amazing Fantasy number 15, August of 1962. Flash has been around for a long time. That's nuts because you know what Amazing Fantasy 15 is. It's that first, one of those first Spider-Man appearances, like Spider-Man's webbing across this uh, across the front. Yeah. He's got he's got someone under his arm, you know? And and Eugene's right there. Yep. Flash is in the issue. It is set up from almost day one here, right? Speaking of Chris, I just checked on eBay. If you want to get an original copy of Amazing Fantasy I 15, don't. I don't either. There's one on eBay for Right under $100,000. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Okay, never mind. I guess I will buy a copy or two. So Flash has been around since 62. It is 2023 at time of recording. That's a long time. So, of course, Flash isn't... He's a tertiary character, right? We've talked about this many times. He is He is part of the Peter Parker verse. He doesn't have much bearing outside of Spider-Man stories in the greater Marvel continuity for a long time. But that's not always going to be the case because in April of 2011, he is going to make his first appearance as Agent Venom. That is Amazing Spider-Man number 654. So that's a long time between major character updates here. So 50 years. And we have a character that is kind of in the newer continuity, which is also kind of a unique challenge. So what we're going to do here, we're going to talk about Flash, his origins, what he means to Spider-Man. Then we're going to get into a little bit of the Agent Venom run. But ultimately, my idea here is, folks, I want you to read this. So I'm not going to give you everything. So let's talk about Flash. Who is he? He's originally introduced as Peter's bully in high school. That's right. He is, uh, he's a jock. He gains his name from how quickly he goes from one girl to the next dating, just like a flash. 
But the dichotomy here with Flash is that he's Peter Parker's bully, but he's also Spider-Man's number one fan. Literally founded the Spider-Man fan club. Loves everything Spider-Man stands for. The irony is real. The irony is real. And it's the true testament of Peter Parker. It's true. That juxtaposition of uh, the super smart nerd genius kid that's bullied on in school, but also when he's Spider-Man, he's Spider-Man. Well, in the, in the 60s, it was not nearly as okay to be good at school or smart or nerdy as it is today. Right. You know, a, a smart nerdy kid can be the bully today. Just something to think about. So anyway, this is Flash. He's going to end up enlisting in the military. He's going to play sports in college. He is an all-American. I mean, honestly, he's a pretty good dude, Jesse. He ends up burying the hatchet as he grows older. He and Peter become fast, fast friends, best of friends. But we'll get into this more in the character history a little bit. Let's talk about his superpowers so we can kind of frame his time as Agent Venom. Agent Venom, of course, is going to share almost all powers with other users of the Venom symbiote, other bonded partners with Venom. He is going to represent himself in more of a kind of soldier's getup. You know, the Venom suit kind of is what you want it to be at times when you're in control, and Flash is usually in control due to a number of things. The biggest difference with Flash and other bonded symbiote users is that Flash can do a little bit of healing, not only himself, but he can actually help heal others while while being Agent Venom, which is a, a new twist for the symbiote. But we have covered Venom and the symbiote's powers and weaknesses in another episode, the Venom episode, the Eddie Brock episode. So please don't be afraid to go back and check that out for a little bit more in-depth talk. But of course, like all symbiotes, Venom is susceptible to fire attacks, noise attacks. And in MCP, this is represented as a low energy defense. Of course, check out that episode too, if you want to get more information on who Venom is, the actual symbiote. Because once again, Venom is one of those weird characters where the symbiote is its own character within the person that's enhancing and the duality of all that, right? It's my favorite part. Exactly. My favorite part. As stated in the Venom episode, I'm a big symbiote fan in theory, not always in practice. Okay, Jesse, I have talked a lot about his history so far, so let's just go ahead and continue. Flash is going to become friends with Peter. He's going to start to appreciate Peter's smarts and just, you know, general empathy, just being a good person. He's matured. He's grown, you know. He absolutely has. Both of them have. Let's be let's be yeah, very clear. Very much so, but also I think a big part of Flash's backstory is that he was abused in his childhood a lot. Thank you for getting there for me, Jesse. Not only does does Flash deal with alcoholism, himself, Mm. but he dealt with an alcoholic father that did absolutely mistreat him in horrible, horrible ways, which was part of the reason he did lash out as a child. But of course, as he grows older, he learns to, he learns to control this part of himself, learns to deal and start to heal from this. But you know, there's going to be more tragedy in Flash's life. Part of the reason Flash is you know, warms up to Peter, not only the appreciation of Peter's skill and, and intellect, but 
I mean, Peter's with Gwen Stacy and then Mary Jane Watson and Flash is still Flash. He's always, always looking for a lady, right? Kind of bird dogging. So during this time when Peter and Flash are kind of circling each other as friends, they're maybe not all the way there yet. Harry Osborn is going to kind of be the go-between here. I mean, we've all had we've all had the friend that we didn't quite like for a while, but maybe our best friend was also friends with them. So it just takes time, and that's what happens here. I, I really like it when comics do this, do this, this long form, you know, version of a story. Uh, over the years, you see Flash and Peter's relationship thaw, and they become friends. And eventually, Flash will be Peter's best man at his first wedding to Mary Jane Watson. So. After college, Flash is going to enlist in the military. He will fight in Vietnam. This is going to later be retconned, of course, because Marvel's timeline is floating. It will always be part of Flash's backstory that he was in a war in Southeast Asia. But every 10 years or so, that war is going to move up in, you know, when it happened to keep Flash in his, you know, 20s or early 30s or, or what have you. He will have uh, uh, an encounter uh, while fighting this war. Spider-Man will have to kind of bail him out. But this kind of, it doesn't establish, but this illustrates Flash's kind of superhero adjacent life at this point. He's friends with Spider-Man. He's friends with the Hobgoblin. He's friends with the Green Goblin's son. He keeps having these encounters. He's used his leverage by Norman Osborn against Peter, unbeknownst to Flash. You know, things like this are going to continue, continue, continue to happen. So that's going to bring us to the Iraq War. At the time, Flash and Peter are both working at the same high school as teachers. But after the events of the infamous One More Day storyline, which we could do a whole episode on, Jesse, if we were a comics history podcast, that is a very yeah. interesting inside and outside of the page. Uh, one more day. Listener, if that piques your interest, please do not hesitate to look into that. But what's going to happen here? We're finally going to get to the actual origin of Agent Venom. Flash is, a, as we've established, a good person. During a fight in the war, he is Flash is going to take some bullets to the legs, uh, to his shins. Now, normally, yes, this is a big problem, but we'll get you off the field and we'll get it taken care of. But that didn't happen. Unfortunately, in the firefight, building is going to collapse. In this building, his commanding officer is trapped. Flash is going to fight through the pain and possibly use some, some, uh, Use a substance to numb the pain that he does not normally use. And he's going to fight through this pain, through these just ravaged, shattered legs. And he's going to save his commanding officer. For this, he will be given the Medal of Honor. But unfortunately, he's going to lose his legs. And in classic comic book fashion, if he would have just made the selfish choice to get out of there, uh, his legs would have been fine. But of course... His friend would have been dead. And as we said, Flash is a good person, so clearly this isn't happening. Flash is going to go through some things, but eventually he's going to be recruited for this new super soldier program. And 
basically he's going to be bonded with a piece of the venom suit the government has has venom just all which kinds of bad trying to be controlled and and turn a bunch of people into super soldiers using the venom symbiote flash is going to go for this because they're promising him the use of his legs so he's going to bond with the venom the venom symbiote the venom symbiote will form legs for him he will be able to walk on top of having all these other venom powers and you know this is great there's going to be a couple of really good stories about him coming to terms with the fact that he no longer has the use of his legs which i find are very very well written they go through the stages of grief very well but despite this this you know having full use of his legs back having these superpowers for the first time he's gonna love it Unfortunately, there are some rules that are going to come with being bonded to Venom. These rules are that he cannot stay bonded for more than, I think it's 48 hours to begin with, 24 hours at a time, things like this. He will, if he stays bonded for too long, he will lose control and kind of turn into that classic Venom that you think of, you know, when you think of the Eddie Brock Venom or the two or three folks that got their hands on the symbiote between Eddie Brock and Flash Thompson here. But for the most part, he stays in control. So here's where we're going to kind of have to just touch on a few things. I'm going to have everything you need to know about where to find these stories in my recommended comics. So no worries. But just to kind of touch on a few things here. After becoming Agent Venom, He's going to play a major part in the Spider Island storyline, which is just a fun, fun read. He will join the Secret Avengers for a time. He will join the Thunderbolts under Thunderbolt Ross for a time and just be a superhero for a while, which is kind of fun to watch someone become a superhero for the first time. But he's also going to do some really cool stuff with the Guardians of the Galaxy. During his time with the Guardians is when Donnie Cates will in earnest begin the King in Black, setting up the King in Black storyline. Not only is the art spectacular, but it's going to end up playing a very big role in what will come in the King in Black, which Jesse, I imagine we will cover one day, mostly because I want to. So therefore it will probably happen. Same. But Agent Venom is going to to play a, a major part in a lot of things during this time. And it's pretty fun. I mean, he's going to be like an agent of the cosmos. Like he does a lot of fun stuff. The art in especially the Guardians of the Galaxy run, the Venom Space Knight run is just I think it's spectacular. I love it so much. But I can't I can't just wax poetic about pictures you can't see. It is an audio medium. The Guardians will return to Earth in time to participate in the 2016 event Civil War II. And after after Civil War II concludes, Flash will stay on Earth, where, for our purposes, the story ends. But if you want to continue reading with Flash, he will eventually become Anti-Venom. The suit will stay stay similar, and then the story will kind of come to an end, but it's Marvel. He'll come back around. All highly, highly recommended reads. I, I think the Agent Venom, while I'm, it is established that I'm not a huge fan of uh, military-based characters all the time, there are a few that I really do enjoy, and Flash is one of them. Mm-hmm. He is a selfless, selfless person. 
and he's he's willing to go against orders if those orders are bad. And I respect that. I think I think Flash is a cool character. The character design, of course, as we see with the sculpt yeah. in the MCP model, is just awesome. So he embodies what a a soldier idealized soldier is, right? Like in the truth, he does sense. even yeah. even down to the problems with alcoholism, right? I wasn't talking about the negatives. I was talking about the positives. But no, I I know. But the protector, I guess I, you know, like the selfless protector. I bring that up to say to illustrate that it's not all sunshine and roses for him. He does deal with quite a bit of adversity through this story, and I think it is all. I think it's really well written. I I, I really do. And he still deals with those t- childhood trauma and oh yeah, man. abuse demons as well. It's right? Great. So, uh, I mean, and, it's horrible for him, but it's really it's a good story. Want to add layers to to his. 60s and 70s role where he really was this this imposing bully to to peter our right. hero right well and it's and like yeah. well typically the people that bully were aggressively bullied and it's to get that backstory of flash was very eye-opening to me even that long ago you know yes and i there is one more thing i do want to touch on with his early how he came across early while being the bully he's he quickly devolves into this kind of buffoon role yeah uh, and like comic relief only but when we get a change from Steve Ditko to uh, Ramita Sr. Uh, doing the art, John Ramita Cedar, sorry, he, he's going to be more of the more of the jock, more of the all American, more of the you know kind of star quarterback type guy. So that's that's when that kind of change happens, and it happens pretty starkly in Amazing Spider Man number 39. So that's kind of an interesting behind the scenes, you know, major change to the character. And I'm always interested in that kind of thing, like different versions of what an artist or writer sees in a character. You know, seeing these different versions of people of characters come out is almost like seeing different versions of people. There's like your work self. There's how you act when you're gaming with your MCP friends. Hmm just different versions of yourself. And I I think that's illustrated well in comics. And it's also a big detriment when not done properly in comics. So not sure where all that came from, Jesse, but here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Flash is (laughs) awesome. We we do have to talk about flash in the MCU. Of course, agent venom is, is not in the MCU yet. Maybe one day, not even sure if the, he'll make it in the MCU with the flash we have, but you know, flash is played by, Tony Revolori in the MCU. He's a young actor. Of course, his story is super Cinderella story where it's like he was he worked with Wes Anderson on the Grand Budapest Hotel and the rest is history. You know, Love that he, movie, he man. A, he was a child actor in that. And he was, you know, dubbed one of the greatest living young actors at that time. And of course, it got him the Spider-Man job. Of course. Yeah. I second that, Chris. What a phenomenal movie. But he's been but, in all yeah. three Spider-Man films and different take on Flash just like yeah. Spider-Man's a different take on the Spider-Man story in the MCU it's kind of a little bit of Miles story a little bit of old Peter Parker like you know Ned Ned in the chair right there's a right. lot of correct so this Flash is fun this Flash is fun he he does take the old puny Parker trope and twist it a little bit for the modern day it's the younger generation version of like you said Chris like bullying but it's it's through a different lens. It's a modern lens. You know, there's a lot of like tech in their lives. Uh, this Flash is very smart. Like he's getting scholarships. I really liked. Yeah, I really liked that change too. Mm-hmm. But he's got some self confidence issues as well, just like the normal Flashes do. Of course. Too. Of course. So, because I imagine he has a pretty rough life at home. 
So he might, yeah, absolutely. And then of course they do show that he is Spider-Man's number one fan, you know, <laughs> and he I even writes that. that book like my best friend Spider-Man. You know, he tries <laughs> to make a profit off of Spider-Man and all this stuff. Um, in the later stories, now it's really fun. Since the Spider-Man universe is all canon, shout out to the other Flashes, most notably Joe Man- Manganiello, which you know got his start in Rami Spider-Man, which is nuts because that guy goes on to do a Isn't lot. Isn't that of wild? Stuff. Yeah, it's so nuts. And then um, Chris Zalicka, who played Flash in the short run of the two amazing Spider-Man movies with our beloved Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. So, and it's it's crazy, Chris, because as you said, Flash is just as important as Mary Jane is in the Peter Parker storyline, right? And so yes. every iteration of Flash over the years, and we're talking about the 60s cartoon, the 90s cartoon, the, mo- the the animated movies, the CGI shows, and all these live action movies I just mentioned all had actors playing Flash. He's always there. He has to be, man. He's Peter's childhood bully turned, you know, one of his best friends. And eventually, you know, for the purposes of our story here, mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be a peer in a superheroing sense. So he is, he, I guess he and Harry are kind of, you know, they're the ones that have been around since the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, I think that's very powerful. Even if they don't always get along, even if, even if they, you know, fight sometimes. Well, it's cool that Flash got his due because Harry is so important early on and does become, of course, the Hobgoblin, as we eventually know, and a major character in the Spider-Man universe. Hobgoblin's one of my favorites. So it's cool that Flash kind of got his superhero due, I guess. I guess it was bound to happen. It's cool that he's on the uh, light side of the force, per se. You know, I'm glad I'm glad that he didn't become a I'm just glad he didn't become a Oscarp monstrosity. Yeah, that's very fight Peter thing. That's very true. And I will say, man, he's got a part to play in a lot of really cool, like 2010s Marvel moments. He really does. And you mentioned the anti-venom coming out from this. It's not just anti-venom. He's going to have a large part to play when going against the Red Goblin, which is mm. the car- Carnage Goblin. Which Insanity, yeah. I don't know. No speculation, but I feel like that's coming to this game sometime. That would be neat. Anyway, but it, there's the there's Hobgoblin. There's the Guardians during their resurgent. He plays a major part. Civil War Two starts off the whole, you know, King in Black craziness. Yeah, this is Agent Venom is an important uh, piece of this decade. Absolutely. Absolutely. For Marvel. So, yeah, we, we love Flash here, and it's cool to learn more about him and him become more than what he started out as. And that's what we always want to see in these stories, you know? So, closing out this section, like we always do, Chris, what are your Agent Venom comic book recommendations? Okay. I've only got two and a half recommendations for this one, but okay. they're both they're both fairly hefty. Uh, Rex. So my number one recommendation is going to be all 13 issues of Venom Space Knight. The art's incredible. The book is fun. You can also read the the Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy team books that kind of correspond to while he's on the team. But really, you should just start at Venom Volume 2. Okay, read all of it. And then read Venom Space Knight because they play right into each other. But if you don't want to read full runs... This is my recommendation for a singular storyline. Spider Island in Venom Volume 2. It's just a three-issue storyline. Issues 6, 7, and 8. This will give you a really fun, wild example 
of Flash as Venom with a story that is going to be a little bit surprising. Very fun. So you've got the classic and then you've got a little offshoot. Yeah, just if if you don't want to go into the full, you know, read 50 issues because Chris told you to. Sure. Now here's, here's a little three issues to get the gist. All right. Very good. Well, that's going to get you started on Agent Venom. And let's jump right into Agent Venom and Marvel Crisis Protocol. His name is Agent Venom. His alter ego is Flash Thompson. He is a four threat character. On his healthy side, he has a stamina of six. And on his injured side, he has a stamina of six, putting him at 12. Very nice. And he is a small base model with a size of two. And he moves medium like normal. But then his defenses closing him out are four physical, two energy, three mystic. Any thoughts out the gate, Chris? Well, he is a symbiote. So we expected the two energy defense. Otherwise, you know, when I first saw the. When I first saw his picture, uh-huh. I kind of expected to for it to be a medium base model with how much was going on on ah, that base yeah, I, and how much was going on with the model. But uh, it him being a, a small base is a bummer in some ways, but he's got a little something to make up for it. I do believe absolutely. And twelve health is nice. I mean, we've been we've been covering four threats lately that are like six on one side and five on the other, or vice versa, right? True. And so it's respectable. His energy is scary, but we know defense dice are going to defense dice in this game and just be kind of useless a lot of the time. So can't get too fixated on that. I think what's more interesting is the four physical and right in line with AMG's design. He has the same defenses as Eddie Brock Venom, except Eddie Brock Venom has one minor change. It's just seven health on the front. Makes sense. It makes sense. He's got more beef there and it makes a lot of sense. So let's get into Agent Venom's attacks, which he has three. The first attack is a physical attack called Clintar Firepower. Absolutely love the name. Range of four, strength of five, power cost of zero. This is his builder attack. After the attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. And on a wild, you'll trigger bleed from those tendrils. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed special condition. Absolutely amazing strike, Chris. Range four, very rare in this game. Four and five onward. Four strikes in particular. They're typically gainers, right? So it's great. It's a Cyclops strike. One of the better parts of Cyclops' car of Kit is his strike. Not not the thing that keeps him off the table. <laughs> right, right, right. And Cyclops even has the push, but the blade is nice here. I mean Oh, especially for my for my blade team that we're always gonna talk about every time we hear That's right bleed uh even though it's bleed city bleed city let's talk about his next attack jesse it is an energy attack it is incendiary grenade it is range three strength five power cost of one i really like this one after this is attack is resolved the target character gains the incinerate special condition incinerate of course meaning they roll one less defense dice one of our favorites one of my favorites um one power for a guaranteed incinerate is really not bad at all. No, and this is the best incinerate grenade in the game. It has one more dice than the other ones, right? So, unfortunately, it does not ignore a line of sight, though. Or is range four, like Domino's, right? So, right. <laughs> it's just funny. We got all these different flavors of the grenade where it's like the Commandos is the worst. Age of Venoms is the same as Commandos, but more dice. A Domino's is less dice than Age of Venoms, but further range and ignores line of sight. They've all got little tweaks here little tweaks it's great it makes perfect sense too especially because agent venom 
is a four threat that he'd get one more dice with his. Also, you know, he has that all-star quarterback and he's throwing that grenade uh, right where it needs to be with those symbiote reflexes. But closing out his attacks, Chris, he has a very interesting final attack that's a physical attack called the symbiote special forces. It's a beam three. So of course, when you lay that range three down, every target that's in it barely or in it all the way, it's getting attacked by this strength of seven power cost of four because it is a beam attack and on a wild and hit you will trigger lashing tendrils after each attack is resolved deal one damage to each other enemy character within two of this character so we know wild hit is harder to get right but free damage is amazing in this game right and if you get unblockable yeah if you get three characters under the beam you have a chance to hit the other two characters every time you roll an attack so Theoretically, you can get three or four damage on someone using this uh, if you get like their whole team under the beam. You know, it's neat. It's neat. Not going to happen very often unless you're running some really, really clumped maps. It's mainly neat to me because it's a a different version of Cletus Cassidy's Maximum Carnage, which is the A2 that has the trigger of Rampage, which is the deal damage to other enemies within range one. So Carnage is around him in a circle and Age of Venom is in a straight line in front of him. And both a strength of seven. Very interesting. So it's he's got a little bit of Venom, got a little bit of Carnage. It's really neat. But it's not so much that this is actually a really good spender, Chris, especially the the guarantee, like the damage without rolling defense dice thing but we're gonna get these superpowers which he wants to spend his power on and that's really gonna stop him from spending yes so let's talk about him his first active superpower is symbiote web swing it will cost you two power place agent venom within range three of its current position the superpower can be used once per turn amazing (laughs) so good (laughs) yeah so we've got range three a small base size and a range four stick. That's his range at pretty much any given time for the most part, turn two onward, right? So he's shooting who he wants to shoot or, or he's repositioning away from the fight. Exactly. He's ducking in and getting the damage in or getting the attacks off or he's getting the attacks off and getting out, <laughs> yeah. which I think is a little more, a little more true to what you're going to be doing with him. Yeah. It's a movement. That's not an action. It's a movement. That's a place that ignores terrain. Keep in mind, places are always better than moves because you just ignore everything right um you just put them where you want and note that this is within range three so it means anywhere on the range three stick at the very end barely touching it or somewhere in the middle so he can just use this to you know so let's say he gets pushed off a point he can just use this to get himself back on the point without taking an action right and then he can double tap or then he can do some combination of things which i absolutely love but moving on chris he has another active superpower called project rebirth 2.0 that you just talked about lore it costs one power remove one special condition from this character note it also does not say once per turn so it's just like as much as you have power this and is conditions. like his sleeper best ability. Like it's weird, but it's like he can't be staggered. He can't be shocked, which he hates shock, by the way. He absolutely yes. hates it. He's a ranged character and he can't be incinerated, which gets him killed. Right. So obviously there's other conditions than those, but like those are primary goals of yours. And I love that once again, AMG showing their dev prowess. I mean, he really is like the the culmination and, and um, strength of a lot of design choices over the years. And it's like he's this Venom, Miles, Carnage, Blade hybrid, right? Because Blade has this as well. And it's one of Blade's best features is that, you know, 
despite Blade not having action economy, you can't really mess him up with his vampiric, you know, removing of conditions as well. So I think it's absolutely amazing. And keep in mind too that you can always do this at the end of your turn. So you can look for power mm. to remove conditions yeah. off yourself, right? So you're if you're kind of worried about getting rid of that incinerate, but you kind of need spend power in the web swing and stuff, it's probably worth it to web swing where you want to be, then double tap with your strike, get that one power ideally, remove the incinerate, something like that. Excellent. Let's talk about his next superpower. He's got he's got quite a few. <laughs> Another active superpower. This is all-star quarterback. It will cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature or an enemy character, both of size three or less and within range two. Throw it short. The superpower can only be used once per turn. So a character and terrain throw. Now, mm. range two is kind of scary yeah. with Agent Venom. He doesn't really have any defensive tech, just a good physical defense dice, decent amount of health. But a character throw is always just so wonderful. Size three, especially. Yeah. Oh, I know. Right. And if you do, if you do your activation order properly and all that, you know, you should be relatively safe with this but that is of course assuming that agent venom is your most important piece that you need to activate kind of last uh, which honestly i don't think is going to be the case most of the time sure yeah it's tough because it costs three which is a lot but as it should i mean be able to yes it should move most characters in the game right is just and throws yeah throws are just so so powerful in this game as we have been literally saying since episode one Yes, I, yes, we have, Chris, a lot. So it's cool that it's the same throw that Eddie Brock has. Once again, staying consistent. Kind of establishing the symbiote baseline, right? Yeah. What's cool is the difference is Eddie Brock's is a medium throw. Age of Venom is a short throw. Makes sense. But, but they both cost three. I've said on the show many times, Chris, I'm happy to always pay three for three, especially if I get two instances of options. In this, in this case... Size three terrain, size three character, right? So it's like, I will pay three every time to get those options. I will pay more to have options at all times, right? Does make him a little power star, which is good because he's got a lot of cool stuff he wants to spend power on. And if he had a ton of power, he'd be able to do it all. And we don't want him to be able to do it all and break the game. So closing out his card, before we get into a little bit more discussion of him, he has two innates. First one is symbiotic instincts while this character is attacking the defending character cannot modify its defense dice so quick summary of what that means can't reroll any defense dice can't even change a defense dice to cover this gets around the storm cover this gets around cover in general because this is that symbiote reflexes and he is finding you wherever you're at and i it's very cool because once again it is the exact same as venom's and it just makes him all that more consistent on his attacks, most notably his strikes. And his final innate superpower is, of course, he's a wall crawler because he is a web warrior. He is a spider family member. Yeah, I love it a lot, Chris. So he might not be a long mover like our beloved Gwen, but between web swing, wall crawler with the medium movement, he's getting where he needs to go. He is all, just at the expense of power, which is okay. Because yeah. not everyone can just get long moves, right? I, I think it's important that this this movement be available, but they, but you have to pay for it. You know, just being able to long move everywhere, which you know we saw a little bit more early on 
with yeah. characters. I, I don't think it was valued quite as much by AMG as it is now. You know, so we're going to start, we're starting to see this more often, which I love web swing. So I am not mad at that. I love having the choices. Yeah. And, and, you know, the out of activation or not out of action, right? So being mm. able to do this superpower without using one of your action slots is, is great. But for that web you know, swing, yeah, you do have to pay a little bit of a premium for all of this choice and flexibility. Well, and let's be honest and frank about it. I mean, the canon is right. He should not be a long mover like our correct, our seasoned Peter and our Gwens of the world, right? So, you know, I mean, the man doesn't even have legs, right? So it's interesting that the web warriors got the tool that he is, which we're about to talk to in affiliations. But before we talk about affiliations, Chris, I will mention nothing changes on his backside. Once again, he has the same health, same superpowers. Keep that in mind. But moving on, he has two cards. The first of which is cleanup. Unaffiliated and reactive. So of course you can play this on any team Agent Venom is on. An allied Agent Venom and an allied Peter Parker. So that's any Peter Parker thus far may spend one power to play this card during the power phase. Agent Venom gains the Spider Sense superpower until the end of the round. Peter Parker gains the Symbiotic Instinct superpower until the end of the round. Of course, it gives you a, it tells you what Spider Sense is. When this character is defending against a physical or energy attack or making a dodge roll, it may reroll to two of his defense or dodge dice. Very interesting card, Chris. This is kind of the epitome of these kitchen table cards we absolutely love, where it's a powerful effect, but it's only going to happen when you have two characters on the table. You know, and they both have power that they don't want to spend on something they're doing. I do think Agent Venom gaining Spidey Sense is more impactful than Peter Parker gaining symbiotic instincts, right? I agree. And it's just cool, right? Like, it's just cool that they are working together and giving each other each other's powers and stuff. But I don't know. Like, any other thoughts on this? Like, I, I think you nailed it on the head when you said kitchen table. This is a yeah. This is a this is a fun card. I do not see many instances where this makes your ten at a at a competitive event. But that being said, symbiotic instincts can be really nice for Peter Parker against yeah. specific teams or specific characters, you know. So especially Amazing Spider-Man, right? When he's attacking from range three, exactly. And he's and got he's got he can throw a lot of dice. He can, and people have cover and stuff. And he's just like, no, you don't have cover. Exactly. Right? So I like it. How impactful it is? Time will tell. Right. But we we've got to move on to his final. Oh my gosh! Ridiculous card and this what a mouthful. This card's awesome. We need to do, we did this card in our news. Yes, we <laughs> did. And we're doing it again right now, but we'll do it again in the future. I'm gonna, I'm just going to skirt the edges of this because this is not a Guardians episode, but for an assignment, Guardians of the Galaxy active card. So of course, this is if Agent Venom is in your Guardians of the Galaxy team. During Agent Venom's activation, Agent Venom may spend any amount of power to play this card. Choose the option from the list below for each two powers spent. Resolve each option completely before choosing the next in the list. So, of course, there's a million things you can do on this card with Agent Venom working with the rest of the Guardians, but you got to pay power for as many as you want to do. Now, what's interesting, Chris, is you can pay a bunch of power up front to see if some of these line up more later on. And some of them will line up more later on because there are moves and throws and advances and stuff like that to get Age of Venom closer to the next character in the domino line of the Guardians for this team-up card. But we'll cover it more in the future on some Guardians strategy episodes, but I will talk about what the effects are. Number one, if Agent Venom is within two of an allied Gamora, Agent Venom is thrown medium. Excellent. Number two, if Agent Venom is within two of an allied Groot, Agent Venom may remove up to three power. So you're paying two to heal yourself three. Absolutely. If Agent Venom is within two of an allied Star-Lord, this one's the most insane, Chris. Agent Venom may make a full auto attack listed on Star-Lord's stat card without paying the power cost. After the attack is resolved, Agent Venom may advance short. I also love the lore of this, that 
Number one, Gamora's throwing Agent Venom. Number two, Groot is healing Agent Venom. Number three, one of Agent Venom's tendrils is grabbing one of Starler's element guns and shooting it, right? It yeah. is wow. Full, full autos for real, too. Full auto is an amazing spender. So to do it for two. For two? Yes, please. Yeah, just really good. Now, closing out, if Agent Venom is within two of an allied rocket and already has made an attack this activation... Agent Venom may make a, an attack action. <laughs> Agent Venom then advances short. Of course, if you did the Star-Lord attack before this, you can immediately trigger this one before you've even done your turn, right? <laughs> this is like a little mini deadly duo, which is... It's really good, man. It's really good. And last but certainly not least, but very cool way to finish it out. If Agent Venom is within two of an ally, Drax the Destroyer, Agent Venom is thrown short and counts size three during this collision. So Drax is throwing him into somebody. Drax is big, angry, and throwing him very hard. I love it. Yeah. Keep in mind the Gamora throw and the Drax throw will hurt Agent Venom for one damage. Yeah, he'll, he will take that ping, but it's okay because you're right next to... You're right next to Groot, and you paid all 10 power for all five <laughs> things. So it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, let, let's high roll here, baby. But yeah, it's I, I like the Gamora throw. The Gamora throw is probably least impactful, but though it's still impactful because it's like you can just read it as move medium. Yeah, move medium. Just don't hang terrain or people, right? And just get further up the table. Yeah, it's, it's an out of activation move if you want it. It's also, you know, potentially three damage on any character any enemy character close let's let's go ahead and state the obvious here yep Groot and Rocket should usually be within two of each other yep so if you play this card and you're looking to get one of those two off you should probably just go ahead and get both otherwise man I mean this card is awesome but it is difficult the full auto and then the free attack is it's worth it enough just that four power just that four power for that it's just hard to engineer right but but with As the Guardians, you kind of want to stay. You kind of want to stay in a little bubble for the first rounds or two, possibly three. So, well, a lot I of the meta Guardians are running follow me too, Chris. And this is yes. one of those things where it's like you could just win a game with this card. Like you could just do a bunch of damage with this card, do a bunch of damage on Angel Venom's turn, and then follow me into Rocket, Deadly Duo with Rocket, do a bunch more attacks with Rocket, and just oh, your opponent doesn't get to play this entire round. Because every model's dazed, right? So this is a really, I think on his worst day, this card is a a cost two med pack for yeah, three. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> but everything else past that, you're going to bring this every every time Agent Venom's out with your Guardians team. It's an awesome card, man. And if you're running Guardians with a one or two Jim Thanos, which a lot of people are right now, you have less restricted cards, so you have more space for cards like this. But that's it for his character cards, Chris, which is very fun. But now we've got to talk about what teams he's on in Marvel Crisis Protocol. You already know he's on Guardians. We just talked about Guardians of the Galaxy. He is on the Guardians of the Galaxy. He's also on the Web Warriors. Last but not least, he is also on S.H.I.E.L.D. These are amazing teams, and let's talk about why. Guardians, he adds more to their attrition ranged playstyle. He also gives you options with the throw in the place, which they don't typically have a lot of that. They typically just do a lot of running and gunning. He also gives you a cool piece in certain Guardians matchups where you're playing teams with cover like X-Men or just playing super evasive teams like Web Warriors and stuff, right? So he helps with that. Moving on to S.H.I.E.L.D. He helps with S.H.I.E.L.D. because they're already a gunline team, but he's also giving you tools to make the gunline better. He's giving you Incinerate. He's giving you ways to deal with cover, which S.H.I.E.L.D. absolutely crumbles to. Shield crumbles to scoundrels, X-Men, 
lots of terrain on the map because they have poor dice attacks. So if he's throwing out grenades and when his attacks are happening, the opponent's not getting cover, he's actually helping the shield damage get through a lot, which is absolutely amazing. He can also help shield. And one of his worst features is they have no chase. He can help you chase a little bit, which is nice with his web swing and movement and stuff. So that's Guardians and that's shield for him. But let's talk about the Web Warriors for him. The Web Warriors is a little bit more interesting spot because I don't think you bring him out every Web Warrior game. Though I do think he's an amazing tool in the Web Warriors and you do want him in your 10 all the time. Once again, he brings some firepower to your team. He brings that incinerate. He brings some fightiness that they frankly just don't have, right? Outside of like Amazing Peter, like Chris just mentioned. So when you get forced on those fighty maps, when you get forced against somebody like a shooting team, he can help with that. But also... He's just really good under like Miles' leadership and even Amazing Peter's leadership a little bit, where it's like with Miles, he's staying around the table more, but with Amazing Peter, he's also passing out slows on top of like grenades and shooting people and stuff. And he's a perfect fit for these teams. Also, a pretty good health pool. So, though his defenses are a little scary on the energy side, that Miles reroll, it's going to help. Yeah, it's going to help a lot. He does have a lot of health, but he's not exceedingly tough. No, he has no dice defense modification or anything like that. Right. I'm very okay with taking him into a mostly physical attack team, just like yeah. Cyclops, just like I am with Cyclops. Like, not that I play Cyclops that much anymore, but the, you know, two years ago, I played him a lot. Yep. And I was never afraid to get him up into the fight because of that four, that four physical defense. And it's kind of the same with Agent Venom, but the problem is, yeah, that two energy defense is scary and he is very susceptible to spikes. Absolutely. But we got to move on to his splash teams, Chris. And I think, honestly, he is a character that if you love this character, you can play him where you want. But I'm going to talk about some places that he's a little bit more interesting. Starting with Sam, Avengers. Okay, we talked about it last episode. The Avengers have amazing four threats. You could pick any of them. It's probably going to work. They'll be affiliated. But if you want to think outside the box a little bit, you can grab solid four threats like Agent Venom like this and really have fun in a team like Sam Avengers where it's like you're just giving him more sustain with his health and more short moves, right? I also think he can kind of skirt the edges of the map and stuff, which Sam Avengers already like to do. They like to go semi-wide and kind of just sustain and and react to you, right? And he's good at reacting. So that's fun. Also, I'm sounding like a little little bit of a broken record, but in recent episodes, I have mentioned A-Force a lot and I will mention A-Force again because the power to that, I, th- I think I said this last episode. He's a ramp character. Yeah. More power yeah, He's better. power starved. So all of those ramp factions, he's going to slot right into. And yeah. it's just a question of which ones does he slot into the either the best or in the most interesting ways. And, you know, I think A-Force is huge for... I think A-Force he's is huge, huge for A-Force, and I think A-Force is huge for him. I think they, they work well together. Absolutely. They need what he brings and he needs the power that that leadership brings. Well, in a similar way of thinking, I mean, we actually have not said in some time, which is very good for our show, but Steve Avengers, like to web swing round one for one power up the board, shoot someone on the midline, maybe pick something up if you get a power or something like that. It's amazing. And just like how classic Venom is amazing in Steve Avengers, this Age of Venom is the same way. I mean, he can't use his remove a condition. What the Steve leadership does does cost one. You can't reduce below that. But the the size three character throw costing two and the website costing one. Come on. That's crazy, right? So getting past these ramp teams and these power manipulation teams and getting a little bit more outside the box, 
he's got some fun places. So we talked about he has three teams, so he really does cover a lot of the teams in the game. I do think if you like the character a lot, Hydra's a cool place. He is putting bleeds out from his guns, right? So he's getting more of that sustain, that healing, right? Giving conditions, right? Yeah, and he's got the automatic incinerate, which 100%. is very nice. So Hydra's a perfect spot for him. Um, also, in keeping with last episode's fashion, less about the ramp and more just about the versatility in humans. Like, yeah. you you always have perfect information in theory before he goes, and you're like, you know, I don't have to go with him yet. I'm going to go with Black Bolt, build some power, pass him a power. All of a sudden, he goes on his turn. Now he's web swinging and throwing someone off a point because you passed enough in human power to him over the round. Absolutely amazing. Moving on to Midnight Suns. I do think he's pretty neat in Midnight Suns because of the place on in conjunction with his web swing and stuff. So it's like a lot of the time you're going to use that web swing just to barely move, like I mentioned, to get back on the point. Yeah, or, or get you just know. out of range. Yeah. So to have a bump instead and then also have access to a web swing. And what I mean also access to i mean you could just bump barely in that range for double shoot them with your pistols get enough power now to web swing and it's the midnight sun's leadership really gives a lot to high level play and thinking and that is a prime example of that we're knowing when to bump and not to bump right a lot of the times you can bump to just to barely get objectives right you can bump oh now i'm going toward the objective i pick it up now i web swing away or vice versa right but i do think there's options there for him um, moving on, I do think we're going to see more Wakanda in the future. Now we're getting pieces oh, from yeah. Wakanda. And I think he's a really cool tech piece from Wakanda to help them against teams of cover, help them in the gun line area a little bit, and also give them access to incinerate on command. And man, I know he's power starved, but he loves the Wakanda leadership. Like reroll a bunch of dice on top of Shuri rerolling his dice too, right? If he's just getting consistent strikes, he's doing more of what he wants to do. And, you know, closing out his fun spots, Chris. I think a very fun spot for him is Spider Foes. I like that. Yeah, and the theme kind of works. It kind of well. Works. The theme, the theme, one hundred percent works. Yeah, uh, especially no if he's question on his, about it. His Venom tangent, right? But he brings, yeah, he brings a little bit of movement that they kind of lack. Uh, he's going to be getting more damage through. Gives them incinerate. Gives them, uh, yeah, access to an automatic and incinerate, not a lottery incinerate. So. And that perfect information, Oscorp weaponry, where it's like the final step of the modified dice stage, where it's like, okay, now re-roll, re-roll your defense dice opponent. Really good for him. Because like now you can say, oh, wow, if I get one more damage through, I'll have my web sling online, right? Reroll that dice, right? Yep. And now my web sling's online, or now my throw's online, right? He also brings another size three throw for them, which they already love. And so like I think doubling down on the, f- the fact that they're the faction that are can't be moved off points very easily and they can move people off points easily is really neat. He is four threat, which is... You know, not hard for them, but it is more strained for them. So I do find it kind of cool, but you can really put him where you want. You know, like I, I do think his three primary teams, Shield, Web Warriors, and Guardians, all should be playing him right now. Yes, I. They, he should be in your ten if you play Whether it's any your of those tenth teams. Slot or your sixth slot doesn't really matter. I think you should make your list because in in the very least, he's a wonderful tech piece against cover and Shield desperately needs that guardians guardians are getting so spoiled for choice they're actually oh having harder deci- they're getting harder decisions on like maybe in your guardians team he is model 11 right but that's a good problem right <laughs> it's but not like f- i think foreign affairs is too strong of a card to just leave out of your toolbox for a tournament I, it just is especially if you're a follow me guardians like i mentioned mm-hmm. where it's just like you could just wipe the table one round get way ahead on points and set up for the next round 
yeah, come on. It's it's tough, man. They they're in a, in a they're in an excellent spot at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's just about to get better. I know. But yeah, a little less deep on the affiliations today because he is one of those characters that just truly shines in his teams, but he also can shine in any team quite well. So if you like the character, try him out, you know? Yeah. He can he can do a lot on the table. The only thing he cannot do is get in there and be a bruiser or soak up damage. Otherwise, like if you need an objective runner, he can do it. Do you need a little bit of damage? He can do it. Do you need a throw? He can do it. Jack of all trades, maybe a master of none, but I think he's, I don't think this game as it is right now requires every character to be a master of something. I think some just solid, you know, whatever is presented, they can, they can do something to Mm. affect it. Absolutely. Kind of characters are still very valuable in this game. And I think he's one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, he's one of those characters where it's just like, if if you're playing the game correctly, he's by security, he's got an extract, he's he's doing damage at the right times, he's not hurting your opponent at the right times. He's just a great piece. Like he he's always going to perform, right? So uh, as me and Chris kind of mentioned this episode, his biggest, his biggest weakness is maybe getting one shot. But once again, a six, we, we've established through the math and people smarter than us have established like in the game, anytime a character has six health or higher on a side, Age of Venom has on both sides, it is really hard to one shot them mathematically. Poor Laura. <laughs> yeah, that five health, man. It just, it's, it really makes a difference. Yeah, there's, there's a whole after dark coming about <laughs> healths and threat levels and Love it. all of this stuff. We both have a lot of thoughts, so. Yep. But, I'm not going to get into it here. Okay, very good. But yeah, that is Agent Venom. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Find us everywhere online. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It means a lot to us. And once again, if you can't support us on Patreon, the best way you can support us is subbing on your podcast platform of choice and then leaving us a five-star review. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for the show's music. And like Jesse said, help spread the word, rate, review, subscribe, share new players. Yeah. Let them know. Maybe we can help them figure out a, what affiliation or what characters they want to play. You know, little things like that just mean the world to us. And I know you guys are really, really good about doing it. And I'm once again, sorry that we have to ask you to keep it up. We appreciate it. Of course, you can find Chris and I several places online. You can find me everywhere online. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Longshanks and Discord at Jesse Aiken, J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And check out my Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Hello there, a Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Everywhere podcasts can be found. Games right around the corner. If you've been interested in the game at all, definitely check out our podcast and we give a little bit more insight on what the rules are like, what the game's like, and maybe you can make a decision there if you want to get into the game. Or if you're just now hearing this, you got the game pre-ordered, definitely give us a subscribe because we're going to be covering the game from the very beginning. Chris, where can everyone find you? Just find me on Twitter for now. I'm also in Longshanks. Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Hopefully by the end of the summer, we'll have some other places for you to find me. Perfect. Well, that was Flash Thompson. It was really fun to do him, Chris. And I'm looking forward to keeping this Web Warrior mini-series continuing. Also, still a little bit of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, going on. It's fun to talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. I've never played them, and I don't know when I will. I want to, though. It hurts your brain. Yeah, I want my brain hurt in that way. I think that uh, firing up those those particular synapses, you know, might be good for me. Very good. 
We were really glad you guys joined us this time. And until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 